Let's welcome Rosemary Kamadi to fellowship this morning. Uh, such a delight to, to have a morning like this as we kick off our global Christmas season. We step out of the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we will be looking at some passages in the Gospel of John, and I want to introduce that to you, and then I want to say this to you. The message today is, is Rosemary and her story, and I assure you, God has a word for each one of us, and I want you to be listening for that word uh, as she shares. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to the Gospel of John, please. John's Gospel, chapter one. This is where we're gonna be over the next three weeks, stepping out of Mark, and we'll pick some passages out of this first part of John's Gospel. Our theme during this Christmas season, not surprisingly, is the light of the world. God's word to us today, John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or did not overpower, overcome it. You walked in this room, and even as you sit here now, I know I'm speaking, so you're looking at me, but if you were to simply look up front, I think all of us would agree our eyes would normally go to the brightest spot on the stage. Our eyes are drawn to the light. What a wonderful image that God the Father has given us that when he sent Jesus the Son, we remember him as the light of the world. Now, what I want you to get in your mind's eye is Jesus did not come on fire, Jesus did not come glowing and fluorescent. He was a man. But in him was the hope of the world, forgiveness of sins, redemption with God. And so today, as we listen to Rosemary's story, I want you to see a woman, but know this is the light of the world, Christ in her. And even as you think that, don't miss this. If you've trusted Christ, you are the light of the world, Christ in you, where you live, work, and play. You don't have to go far away to be that light. In fact, we miss what God has for us when we go far away and miss what's right in front of us, where he's invited us to be the light. We're gonna hear the story of light in Rosemary's life. And Rosemary, I'm gonna start with, really, I, I told her on, on Friday we met and talked about how we would conduct our interview, and I said, I want you to talk way more than me, and I want you to tell your story. And so I want you to listen to her story, and then I'll kind of guide us toward the ministry work that she's doing in Ajumani here in a moment. But start with your own family, okay? And then uh, would you walk us through how it is that you came to faith in Christ? How did you come to faith? We always think of people as where they are, and, and we, we forget, wait, she was a little girl once, and somewhere along the way, God opened her eyes to the gospel, and I want you to tell that story. Start with your own family now. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a mother of four beautiful young women, maybe the most beautiful in Africa. Here we go. Find. We have them behind, they have them <laughs> splattered behind us. It's <laughs> Don't you agree? They are yes, good. I would agree. And I know, those, I know them well. Um, 
Yes, one of them got married in July this year, and I have another one getting married on the 27th of this month. Uh, so I'm so thankful that God has used me to bring them up as godly women who love him, honor their mom, and they honor God. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful. Um, it, it didn't just happen. Um, it has been a long walk, difficult walk, a painful walk with them. But before the pain, I was led to Christ by my uncle's wife, who was my auntie, and she always prayed with my mom once a week, every Wednesday. And she's the one who led me to the Lord when I was 15 years old. Uh, but along the way, when I went to high school, high school has so much drama. Um, In Africa? Yes. Wait, are oh. you talking about Franklin High School? or oh. <laughs> Everywhere. Get, get, get to... <laughs> And you understand, it, it was drama, and <laughs> I, I, I fell off and just became rebellious. People don't think Rosemary could be rebellious. I was. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got married, I enjoyed the first five years of my marriage. They were really beautiful. My husband, I knew my husband loved me. But thereafter, everything changed. He became violent. He became very physical and very selfish, very unfaithful. You know, anything you can imagine and think of. And for 15 years, I didn't know what to do. Uh, but along the way, God was speaking to me. I fell back in the hands of the Lord, and he walked with me. The pastors walked with me as I inquired from them, what do I do in a situation like this? And they kept telling me, it will be fine. But a time came when I had to walk away with those four beautiful girls. It was painful because I didn't know what the future held for us. They were still young, but in faith, we walked away. Why did we walk away? I've told you he was very, very physical and violent. And um, one time when I was getting really tired of what was going on, I went to the office and told my boss I would only work the morning hours and after lunch I would not go back because there was something I needed to do. What was on my mind was to pray to ask God, what would he have me do? Where would he have me go? Because I had too many voices. Some mm -hmm. telling me to hold on, because they are praying for me, things will be different. Other voices telling me, no, Rosemary is getting too bad, get out. And at that point is when I said, I only want to hear from God. Mm -hmm. He has the last word for me. And I went home, and between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m., I knelt by my bedside and I prayed, asking God to reveal himself to me. Is he telling me that 
stay here because I'm going to work out things for you? Or is he saying, Rosemary, get out because it will never be different? And it was that night, my husband came. First of all, I, I was deep asleep and I felt this very bright light into my eyes. And I woke up, but the rest of the room was dark. So I wondered, where am I? Mm. And in the process, I screamed once. And my last two daughters are the ones who heard me. And they came, opened the bedroom door, turned on the light. And it was at that time I saw him standing next to me with a flashlight in one of his hand and a knife in another hand. And I had no doubt in my heart that God had answered my prayer, which I had prayed in the afternoon. He was telling me, Rosemary, go. I did not know where I was going to go, but I had to make a deliberate decision to go. I had to obey because I had prayed for God to reveal himself to me, and he did. So I left with my girls. And after that, God has done marvelous things in our lives. I just want to encourage each one of you parents seated here, if you have children and you think you prayed enough, it's not enough. Just keep praying. Mm -hmm. Don't get tired. Because I remember those prayers of 3 a.m. of my mom praying for us. And I believe that those prayers still are at work in my life even now. Mm. The prayers I pray for my daughters are still effective even in their lives, even as they make decisions to get married. I'm not stopping to pray for them. Mm. So just keep praying, keep mm -hmm. praying. And if God has spoken to you and told you, walk away, give up this one, let go this one. Let me tell you, I had put up a beautiful home. I borrowed money from the bank. I built a beautiful home. And when I was going through all this pain, my question was, hmm, am I going to leave all this? Who is going to enjoy this? No, I'm not going anywhere. And it went on for 15 years. I was contemplating at the same time praying, and God was working through me and working on me, telling me, Rosemary, the only thing I want you to do is let go. And let me tell you, from the day I walked away with my girls, I have never looked back and thought I left something precious because God had dealt with me in a way that I would not think back. He focused me to look to him and trust him that he would do whatever he needed to do in my life and my girls, and he has done it. So if God is asking you to let go something, if God is asking you to give up something, just go ahead and don't argue because he is God. I argued for 15 years, and he still brought me down to where he wanted me to begin again. Mm -hmm. It is good to begin again. I have begun again many, many times, and it is a beautiful thing to begin again. Mm -hmm. yeah.
Uh, I hope you hear in her story, even the, the, the path of discipleship is not easy. And I know many of us sit in this room and have, stru- have those struggles where um, it's not what we wanted. It's not what you hoped. I assure you, please let me say this, that Rosemary has a very high view of marriage and the covenant that she made, even as we do. And yet there are times when the fallenness of man uh, breaks a merit, breaks a a godly marriage is gone. And what do you do? What do you do when things happen that you didn't plan or ever hope for? What do you do? I want you to hear that in her story and be reminded the path of discipleship is like we talked about last week, isn't it? It's not just the healing and the exorcisms. It is the beheadings. It is the unjust treatment. It is sitting in that prison cell with John and dying young. But there is God's faithfulness even in that. Now, Rosemary and our team and many of us go back many, many years, over 15 years, Rosemary is working with a number of uh, 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 non-governmental groups in in Africa and South Sudan in particular with... um, when we went there, that's where we connected. And she's been with a number of ministries since. And I want you to walk through a little bit of, you were working here, you were working here, you are working here. And even some of the pain in what God was doing as he was putting you in different contexts of your work. Thank you. I'm so thankful that God led me to several organizations I worked for and I have learned so much. Mm-hmm. A lot of pain has come through, but I'm thankful for what I learned through all that. I worked for World Relief in Vietnam where fellowship still goes to minister, and it was a beautiful place to be. But God moved me again from there and told me, go to the next place. And I still miss people in Vietnam, but I don't know if they, are, they still remember me, but it was beautiful being there. And I moved to another organization where we built a real good school. We trained the community members in agriculture and they had really picked it up. We trained women and they were doing things for themselves. The children were in grade five by the time I left and speaking really good English. And I remember one time when it became clear that I needed to leave, I asked God, what am I leaving behind? Have I done anything that I can look back to and say, yes, I did this during my time, my seven years here? And I remember one time I went when school was out, but I went and when the school kids saw me, they came and I was going to plant potatoes on the compound. We had a garden. And they said, oh, Rosemary, can we help you dig? So I said, yes, go and get the hose. So they came, they helped me to dig, we planted the potatoes together, and I remember one of them asking me, do you remember the teacher who stole cooking oil for the school? I said, yes. You know, the next day after we reported her, she came and put bad things in our food. So my friend decided he will not eat it. But for me, I said, in Jesus' name, 
I will eat it and nothing will happen to me. Just hearing those words from that little boy mm. gave me hope that God had ministered to them. So that even if I left, I was going to leave something behind, a seed planted. That was just so beautiful. So when I left, transitioning to another place, I knew I had done my work. There are times we feel we haven't done what God has sent us to do. And when we leave, we leave with so much pain. It is understood. But along the way, you learn that God planned it to be that way. And he moves you to the next place where he wants you to be more effective. Mm. And I moved to another one, which I'm still working for today. It was still in South Sudan where we had built three classrooms for children to start going to school. So in December 2013, I made a trip to South Sudan so that I could meet with the parents from that community and for them to bring the children for registration so that just come the following year in January we would have the children start school. We even bought school supplies and sent them to that school. But a week later, when I had just gotten home, they started fighting. We've never been able to use that school how painful mm -hmm. that is. It's like you are pouring water in a basket that doesn't hold any water. Mm -hmm. And right now I hear the school is being used by the army. Other people say there's a school going on, but the army took over the school. Mm -hmm. So they use it as an army barracks. And when the war broke out, a lot of fighting happened in Bor. That is close, very close to the village where the school was. So everybody in that village ran away. Let, let me stop you right here. Yes. I want you to continue that. But sure. to make clear in everyone's mind, you know, uh, Sudan was one, one country, but it was uh, Muslim and, and Christian in the south. And after 22 decades of fighting, the south became the newest country in the world, right? the North Sudan now and South Sudan. But when that happened, the South Sudanese themselves began to fight among themselves. So when Rosemary says, and the, the war began, it's the president and the vice president started fighting each other. I'm simplifying this, but I just want you to understand now in South Sudan, now they're fighting amongst themselves. And it's quite frankly, it's probably worse than even it was before. So the fighting began and uh, people fled South Sudan. So there are those who made it to northern Uganda. Hundreds of thousands of them moved to northern Uganda after walking so many miles. Some of them died along the way. One of the stories I've heard over and over from those who arrived is that there were some women who were walking with their children and most of them died along the road and they left their children on their own. But other women would come and pick up those children. And one sad story is that this woman who picked somebody else's children put them on her back. And as they moved on towards Uganda, she couldn't walk anymore. She fell down and died. 
but the children she was carrying had no idea that she had died. Mm. So they kept you know, lying on her back and until other women came and asked them, what are you doing here? And they told these women that our mother fell down, she's resting. Little did they know mm -hmm. she had died several mm. days before. So they picked them up and went with them. And there are some who left by boat to cross the river to go to the other side. But because of the fighting, they were shot at and the boats would capsize and they all died in the river. So that is how sad it was. But we are so glad that there are some who made it into the refugee camp. And they live there. There are hundreds of thousands of them. And the only thing I saw when I visited that place was just bare ground. They had nothing. For their houses, they had a piece of cloth tied on four sticks which were put in the soil. And that's where they would sit all night for shelter. As all this happened, that was in December 2013, in January, we were wondering as an organization, what do we do? Do we wait until this is over or what happens? So we made a move and I was asked to go and do an assessment in Ajumani camp. I didn't know who had gone to Ajumani, who I would meet there, and I had never been there. And how did this decision come about? I asked the board members what we needed to do. And I remember one man seated here. I don't know, he's my brother, he just has a different color, but I think our blood is the same, Brian Pitak. He sends a message to me and says, Rosemary, we cannot wait until they go back because we do not know when they will go back. Let us do something about it, even in the refugee camp. So that gave me the encouragement to go to Ajumani without even knowing where I was going, but I had to go to get a report. So I go, I get on the plane, go to Entebbe, Uganda, get a taxi to Kampala, the main city, and I ask people around to show me where I can get a bus to drive me to Ajumani. Ajumani, which I don't know, but I had to go. Um, so I go to this bus company and they tell me, oh, you want to go to Ajumani? Yes. When do you want to go? Tomorrow morning. Because I had made plans with my cousin who lives in Kampala that I would spend a night at her house and leave the next morning. Then they told me, no, the day bus is very uncomfortable. Why don't you go on our night bus? It's more comfortable and it's cooler along the way. So I decided quickly, oh, yes, I'll go. At night, on the night bus, okay, I went. I told my cousin, I won't sleep at your house, I'm going tonight. So she was, she was surprised, but I still went. I don't know who I'm going to meet. But God had organized things along the way. And I asked this bus company if they know of any guest houses or hotels in the town where I could stay. And they quickly told me, oh, we own a hotel in the town. So <laughs> I, I told them, okay, can I, 
can I stay at your hotel? They said, yeah, but if you stay there, you have to pay for tonight because it means you'll have to be in that room before 10 o'clock when people check out. And I told them, no, that can't happen. I'll be sitting on your bus all night, not sleeping in your hotel, so I can't, I can't pay. So eventually they allowed me to get there and have a place to shower and change and go to do what I needed to do. And I had been given a telephone number of a man who worked for the office of the prime minister in Uganda. So when I got there, I called him and he quickly came, took me to their office. And when I told them we were a Christian organization and we wanted to see how we can help the people who have come from South Sudan, they actually pointed us to a camp where there is a church, which was already running. They were meeting under the tree, but they were in the process of building their own church. And as I looked at these people away from their home, they have nothing. It just reminded me, Rosemary, you walked away from your home. Identify with them. Mm -hmm. That is how God organizes our lives. He had to take me through that. He had to have me walk away, leave everything that I treasured, and start again. He wanted me to identify with the refugees from South Sudan. They left their possessions. They may not have had much, but they had them, but they walked away with nothing. They have begun again in a refugee camp. And I saw these children, because I didn't know I would see anybody that I knew or who knew me in the refugee camp. And to my amazement, I get out of the car and I hear little children calling out my name, Rosemary, Rosemary. And that just broke my heart. These are children who were supposed to go to that school in South Sudan which was taken over by the army. They are here, no school, no home, in a place they do not know why they are there. Mm -hmm. Things happen in our lives. We don't know why. They cannot explain to you. Those children cannot explain because anytime I ask them, why did you run away from home? They just say, because of the enemy. They know the enemy made them run away. They are there so desperate. They are there with nothing. Their parents are so desperate and they were all looking at me in the hope that I would give them something. But let me tell you, there is hope for them. As you sit in this congregation, you have given hope to the refugees in that camp where we are ministering. The school you saw was built by money from Fellowship Bible Church. The pastors you see holding one another from different tribes that have fought over the years is because of funds from Fellowship Bible Church. God is calling us to invest in each other's lives.
God may be speaking to you this morning that you would give towards that church leader to learn about peace building, that you would transfer that to his congregation, that you would give towards a child who may become the next president in future of that nation. You have no idea. That is how God works. Mm -hmm. I don't know what God is asking you to give up, to walk away from. Empty-handed. He just wants you to go the way you are. Mm -hmm. He doesn't ask you to walk away with anything. He just says, go. Just go. It is hard to go. But he says, go. It is so difficult to go. It's painful to leave what you have, what you love, what you treasure, and say, I will go. It's painful. Even as you walk away from that which you treasure, it's painful. Those guys in the refugee camp walked away without anything. And God is calling upon us to minister to them, to invest in them. Have you ever imagined that you take your children to a school which has only two classrooms and they have to sit in that, those two classrooms sit 250 children. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of education they are receiving, sitting in one classroom, we have about 120 children in one classroom, and it's not as big as you may imagine. They are mm -hmm. small. They have to have chairs. They have to have tables to write on. And there are 250 for those two classrooms. I want you to think about it. Is it normal that that happens here in America, that 250 children sit in two classrooms and learn effectively? But that is what is happening in South Sudan. Is God speaking to you that you would give towards another classroom? Is God speaking to you to give towards a church leader who needs to be trained? Because these are the men and women who are going to bring about transformation in that nation. Mm. When you see them hug, it has never happened ever. It was the first time I was seeing Anwer and Dinka hug. Mm. It was the first time I sat with them and saw them eat from one table. It was the first time I saw them sit and learn from one room. It was the first time I saw them sit around the table discussing how best can they make their communities. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. I have... Uh, time, time just flies when I sit with Rosemary as it has this morning. I have questions I want to ask her that I was going to let you ask her. We can't do that. But also know we don't want to hear her story and that's it. There, that whether we're teaching the Bible or hearing the story, there's a lesson for us. And I trust you heard God's word to you today. What do you do with it? In the power of the Spirit, how do I apply it? I want to invite everyone to stand, and I'll dismiss us in a moment. And Diane, would you come up here? Diane Belbeck has been 
uh, to uh, Africa uh, with me. We've been there together with Rosemary. I'm gonna ask Diane to come up and pray for Rosemary and for us here in a moment. Diane, just come on up here and get on this other side of Rosemary and take that microphone. But I want everyone in the room, if you would, uh, let's pause a moment and let's not let this truth and these truths uh, just escape us. Let's, let's pause and go, Lord, what are you inviting me to trust you for? Would you close your eyes and bow your head and may I ask you to think about this? Is God inviting you to get on the night bus? Not to Ajumani, but to your own Jerusalem? Is it a step of faith that he invites you to take? It could be relational, it could be with work, a friend, a neighbor, within your family. There's always a night bus that you're not sure where you're gonna stay when it gets where it's going. You don't know what you'll do next, but all you know is God invites you to get on to trust him. What might that be for you? Diane, would you pray, please? Father, I am so grateful for my sister, Rosemary. I'm so thankful for what you have done in her life, how she has looked to you and followed you and ridden more than one night bus. (laughs) So, Father, I ask that you would work in our hearts. Whatever any of us in this room are facing really is nothing compared to what's going on there. So I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that we would listen and that we would be willing to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do. Father, would none of us know how many minutes we have how many days, how many weeks. And I I just ask that we would use our time effectively following you just like Rosemary has, wherever it is that you would take us. And I tell you, Lord, that I look forward to the day that I don't have to say goodbye to her when she goes back to Nairobi but to the day when we will all around the throne give glory to the one who has called us to this good work. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that I pray. The same one whose arm has not been shortened Mm -mm. and whose right hand is mighty and able to save. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a moment before you step out the back doors or side doors, come on up and greet Rosemary. Uh, Give her a hug. If 
and get on the night bus, huh? God bless.